This episode of the 10A Podcast is sponsored by TOC Public Relations, the only PR, marketing, and strategic communication firm that specializes in working with public safety agencies, associations, and businesses. TOCPR is also the parent company of Law Enforcement Social, which provides social media, PIO, and content creation training for all public safety. Be sure to check them out at TOCPublicRelations.com and LawEnforcement.Social. The views and opinions expressed on the 10-8 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 10-8 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. This week on the 10-8 podcast, the Motor Cop Chronicles with the Iceman. Don't forget to teach them the traditional ways that we used to do stuff. Seems like the kids are a whole lot more cocky now. Hold up, man. I don't have to listen to you. I've only survived this job. I think it was like 23 years at the time. I started out making $895 a month before taxes. When you get yourself killed, I'll make sure I got crime scene tape put around your body, okay? I'm just the old guy. I like writing tickets and crashes. <laughs> make sure I don't ever accidentally put that in a report. A lot of times you got out and shit got bad, you just had to handle it. afternoon and good evening and welcome to the 10 podcast episode 234 welcome 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 this episode we are talking to the host of the motor cop chronicles podcast his name or his moniker is the Iceman, not like the Iceman, the uh, the mob hitman from the '80s, '90s, which that would be cool. But I don't think I'd be able to get that interview. Not quite. Uh, maybe one day I'll get like a different mob guy. I don't know why. It would just be cool. Um, but anyway, uh, welcome to the show, everybody. So happy for you guys to be here. I can't believe that we're at episode 34 already. I was thinking about last year when we reached episode 34 which was actually the second Dr. D episode, ADHD, you and me. And um, it, it just seemed like that took forever to get here. And I feel like this year has just gone by so fast. I mean, life moves at you pretty fast anyway. Um, it's been a it's been a transition year for me, you know, going from moving and, and everything we've talked about. So uh, it's crazy that we're here. Uh, we're actually looking. I can see the finish line for season two. I made the decision earlier in the week that uh, season two of the podcast will end at episode 45. And, uh, I have a whole list of episodes that we're going to get to, uh, from then till now. And anybody that I don't get to, um, by episode 45, we'll pick up on season three, which will start the first week of October, like always. So I'll have like a two month break, uh, to kind of get some stuff in order on my end, uh, produce some new stuff and then, uh, and get it out to you. So, that being said, uh, we'll talk about that at the end of the episode a little bit, but we're talking about today's episode, uh, so let's do that first. Like I said, we've got the Iceman from the Motor Cop Chronicles podcast. Now, I was on his show uh, several weeks ago, about a month ago now, and we'll talk about that a little bit at the end, but 
the thing I liked about his show, you know, when I get when I get asked to be on podcasts, a lot of times I get asked to talk about mental health and law enforcement because those are two things that are very important to me. In the very beginning, the first couple podcasts I was on, uh, you know, it was podcast or um, mental health was a, a topic, but it wasn't the main topic. Now, a lot of times that becomes the main topic because I've endured a lot and it's kind of become a soapbox for me. And while Iceman and I talked about that on his show a bit, um, his show is pure comedy. His show is there for the funny stuff, the weird stuff, the cool stuff, and it's it's a good time. I you know I I don't listen to a lot of police podcasts, really any except for when I'm editing mine. No discredit to police podcasts at all. It's just not what I enjoy listening to, and I'm glad that you guys do, and I'm glad that there is an audience for it, you know? So I think everybody that listens to me, especially because when I started the show, this was a comedy podcast, you know? It was, and we still have the comedy episodes, the Jersey Boys or the the Drunk Cops and things like that. Uh, so we do have those episodes, but his episode is strictly that. Strictly that. Speaking of strictly comedy episodes, well, I guess, I guess I'm kind of flipping back and forth. I was going to talk about this in the end, but that's fine. Um, this episode's hilarious. It is. And the thing that makes it so funny is that these are true stories from the road. And he has that all the time on his, on his show. And that's what our episode was. That's kind of where I got, how I got here. Um, and I just want to say to all the younger cops out there, whether you're in the Academy, you're in FTO, you just got, uh, freed off FTO. And I'm talking to my boy, Jake from, uh, from the Midwest over there. Listen, uh, you guys want to keep track of your stories. Now, they're going to be etched in your brain. Don't get me wrong. Um, some stuff it's hard to let go. And I'm not even talking about the serious PTSD stuff. I'm just talking about the funny stuff, which you're going to hear a couple of my stories in this episode. Uh, write them down, you know, so you don't forget them. Because after a while, you know, I'm only six years removed from, you know, the furthest point of my career. But add 20 years to that, I probably will forget some of these stories. Maybe not now because I've told them so many times, uh, you know, so th they kind of stay in my brain and I like telling the stories. There's, but there's some that I forget. There's some that I have forgot, uh, especially like nuances where I'm like, oh man, if only I wrote that down. And every cop says when they, he begins, man, you know, I should write down my stories. Every cop when he retires, says, man, I should have wrote down my story. So there's a disconnect. We don't do it. Um, you know, I thought, oh, I didn't, I don't need to because there's body camera. Body camera exists. Well, A, you won't be able to access them when you leave the agency. And B, those videos delete after a certain time. So you're going to lose them anyway. So just things to keep in mind. So that basically concludes the intro part. Um, I, I was going to say more, but I'll do that on the back end because I kind of previewed Iceman's show. Um, in this intro. So anyway, Iceman is a 30 year law enforcement professional from the great state of Louisiana. You're going to hear a total change, total difference between me and him. You know, I'm still kind of, you know, I've been burnt by the job, but he is just, he's got that good crusty salted like layer. You, you just hear it. You know, when you, when you hear his voice, the, the thunderous baritone, it's just, it's, it's good. You know, and you think about it, he's a motorman and I could see, you know, if he shows up, if he pulls me over and he walks up to my car window, uh, he's going to talk about the passenger side approach, but I could see him walking up to my window and me just looking up. I don't even know how tall the man is to me. He's probably about seven foot. Uh, I would look up to him and be like, Ah, shit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get all the tickets. Just I could just see his big... Here's how I picture it. And, and Iceman, when you listen to this, I want to see a picture of you in uniform with the motor helmet on. Because here's how I picture it. I've got a white helmet. I've got big, thick aviators. And, like, 
he doesn't take them off. Like that stays on his head the entire stop. And he's just there. He's got his, his motor gloves on and he's like, you're going to hear his voice. And it's just going to be like, you know, you know, why I stopped you because you're an idiot. And then he's just going to write me a ticket for everything. That's what he's going to do. And that's perfectly fine. Um, because he's the ice man and he can do what he wants. But anyway, as you listen to it, you're going to be like, wow, this guy's, this guy's an OG. He is, he is the beginning of the OG. His OG stories are going to blow you away. I thought it was great. And uh, that's going to bring up something else we're going to talk about in the end. So enough of that. Let's go ahead and get right into it. Let's talk about, or let's talk to the ice man. Check it out. Here we go. 10-8 podcast with the Motor Cop Chronicles. Here we go. back and joining me is the ice man himself the ice man cometh what's going on how are you doing today man doing pretty good i'm in air conditioning now oh that's good that is good uh we were just talking uh so for before we get too uh far into the weeds here let's go ahead and uh have you introduce yourself tell you tell us who you are where you work how long you've been on and we'll we'll kind of skip in from there well of course my real name is not the ice man but <laughs> that We'll stay a secret for now. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still active duty. Uh, I started my career in, uh, well, my full-time career in 1995. Uh, started reserving, I think, in 92. and went full-time in 95. And I've been a motor cop for about 20 of those years now. And I work in an agency. I work for a sheriff's office in Louisiana. 24 years. Wow. That's- I'd have to go look up the exact uh date it was right around 20 i think it was 99 or 2000 that mm. i got motors. <laughs> wow and just you never wanted to go back to the road or do anything else that was that was well, cream of the crop i had a little bit you know i got in trouble one time and i mm-hmm. got put in the courthouse bailiffing uh, and then <laughs> and i switched departments and i spent about another year uh back in patrol and the sheriff that I was working for called me up one day while I was at work and said, Hey, you want to, we got a motor position open. You want it? I said, uh, do you want me to work it? He said, I'm asking you, what do you want to do? I said, well, of course I want it. So <laughs> back, back in motors. I mean, they didn't have to train me. I just, you know, mm-hmm. kind of plug and play at that point. Right. Just, just put on the boots and kind of <laughs> went from there. <laughs> Already had the boots. Oh, there you go. What, uh, what drew you to motors? What made you want to do motor? I guess I don't know. When you're watching chips as a kid, I just mm-hmm. like that was just to me the coolest part of law enforcement. Yeah. Uh, my old department, I was a sergeant uh, over the motor division. I was offered two lieutenant spots, uh, two separate times, which would have took me out of motors. And uh, forego took it. And I said, "Thanks, but no thanks. Uh, stay where I'm at. Right. I'd rather be a sergeant in motors than a lieutenant somewhere else." Sure, sure. Now, 
I mean, when whenever I interacted with the motors, I, I mean, I can't ride a bicycle to save my life, so I knew a motorcycle wasn't in my uh, in my future. But anytime that I interacted with the motors, because I uh, I worked for the crime scene unit, so I had the fancy camera, so they would always have me shoot them whenever they were out doing a ride, or we would have a big motorcycle rally where I worked, so we would take photographs for there uh just always so clean and squared away and like you know the the as far as like the level of professionalism like to me a motor was always like top notch like everything was just the way it goes is that does that tradition kind of speak true to to your experience as well yeah uh it's changing some not the professionalism part uh, we just uh recently uh this past week we buried a uh, a motor cop that uh, succumbed to his injuries uh, several years back. And, uh, of course, you know, there's a couple hundred motorcycles show up from different states and everything else. And I was talking to the guy that took over basically my spot when I left the other agency. And I said, told him, uh, you need to keep pounding these, these kids' heads and, I know 20-something-year-olds don't think they're kids. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm 51 now, and I, I'm like, you know, keep pounding these kids' heads. Don't forget to teach them the traditional ways that we used to do stuff so they don't get lost, because I see a lot of it getting lost now. Like what? What would you say is, like, the traditions? Well, I don't know how all other agencies are, but, you know, around here, I'm assuming it's pretty much everywhere, but, like, the, your senior guy, the most experienced guy will be always be on the left side. Uh, just, I don't know, it's just some respect stuff. And I don't know, it seems like the kids are a whole lot more cocky now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I didn't have a lot of time on. I mean, by comparison, it's only six years. But I could see that the generalization, or I'm sorry, the generational gap was so much wider between where I started and, and the, the rookies that were coming out when I left. It's just the mindset is so different in the you could you could boil it down and just say the professionalism of the of the cops coming out of the the academy it seems is just so much different a different mentality yeah i mean uh, i'm not gonna say their names of course but uh i was uh i went to the new agency i came over with you know 20 something plus years on and of course i was working streets again and uh me and this guy got hired on the same same day we both got hired on, you know. This guy had never been a cop before in his mm-hmm. life. And here I am with 20-something years. Well, once he finally did it, I think he did his FTO. He finally went to academy. So I guess I guess he was about on for maybe a year at this mm-hmm. point. And uh, we were working night shift on a, in our zone. In the zone we were in, is uh, we were, were separate. The uh, parish I was uh, in working in, separated by the Mississippi River. So we're basically in a zone, me and him, and the c- closest anybody from our department could get to us would probably be at least 45 minutes to an hour. Oh, wow. That's huge. Because we're separated. So we're just sitting there, and of course, he's he's a little rookie cop. I mean, we're, just saying we're both deputies at this point, which is fine. Well, he was out making a traffic stop. It was at nighttime. And I just rolled up when he made the traffic stop, and I just sat in my unit and watched him. Once he finished up and we parked somewhere, so I was like, I just looked at him and said, hey, buddy. I said, uh, it's at nighttime. Uh, we have black uniforms on. I'm saying, you know, it, you might want to think about it next time. Make a passenger side approach. Plus, plus they're not looking for you over there. And I'm just, 
Well, this kid looked at me and says, I don't have to listen to you. We're the same. I said, hold up a minute. I wasn't telling you to do anything at all. I was just suggesting, you know, hey, this might, you know, be a little bit safer for you. And he just kind of like went off the hand. I was like, hold up, hold up. And I was like, you're right. We're exactly the same. I said, you know, I've only been, I've only survived this job. I think it was like 23 years at the time for 23 years. But you just go ahead and do what you want to do out there. I'll keep my advice. I wasn't telling you to do anything. I'll keep my advice to myself. And when you get yourself killed, I'll make sure I got crime scene tape to put around your body, okay? You have a good day. And I drove off and did my own thing. Because mm-hmm. so, you're a grown man at this point. I'm not babysitting you. And I wasn't trying to boss him around. And I think the lieutenant, a couple, they said something about, uh, oh, we're going to get you some help because we're running shorthand. I said, no, I don't need it. I'd rather work by myself. And mm-hmm. the lieutenant, he would uh, call and ask me questions sometimes because I had more time on than him. And uh, he's like, what do you mean? I said, nothing. He's like, no, you got to tell me. So I said, no, I ain't getting nobody in trouble or nothing. Like, I'm not, you know, bitching, complaining. Well, I ended up, he ended up, I told him. And he was like, what? He says, if you give me some advice, I'm going to listen to it. You've been doing this forever. I say, ain't no big deal. Ain't no big deal. So. <laughs> right. Just, and that's what I'm talking about. It's hard now. Cause- it's so frustrating because, and I, I've heard about this from people who have, you know, less time on than you, more time on than me. So like in the middle who are supervisors, maybe friends with people who are now their subordinate officers being like, Hey, here's an idea, do this. And the new cops just cannot, they only see the advice or constructive criticism as criticism. They don't see it as, hey, this could be something that could either save your life, improve your career. And I've said forever, I'm like, this job, and, and I want to pull up the numbers and find out what the average is. Because I think the average cop does not work their full 20 to 30 year career, whatever it is to get to retirement. So when you have someone who has reached you know, the later stages of the career, listen to them. They obviously have figured out the the, the way to, fill, to to do this puzzle. And like you said, survive the job. That's such an important thing. Like at the end of the, we can say, oh, you know, I got your six or whatever. That includes being open to, you know, you, you don't want to call it criticism, but, you know, just saying, hey, this might be a, a better way to do it. It's so frustrating. And I've seen it all too many times. I mean, I just know when I started uh them older dinosaur guys, I guess, kind of like me. I'm just the old guy now. You know, I was like 23 or whatever. But the guy, like the guy that trained me, he was he was on to be my dad. Mm-hmm. But every time he told me something, I just let it sink in. I never, sure. I didn't question him. I didn't, you know, disrespect him or anything like that. Which is funny because I, I happened to actually get in touch with him the other day, and we talked on the phone. And I can't tell you how many years he's been retired and everything else. And, me and him had a conversation on the phone. It's my FTO guy. So, and I'm 51. So, you know, he's like in his seventies and told me needed to get together. And, uh, he said, yeah, so I wanted to set that up. I told me he needed to be on the podcast and he just kind of chuckled at me and said, you're trying to get us both put in jail or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, when I started out, I had, um, several FTOs who were, Obviously, I have more experience than I did, but uh, around the same age. And then I had, I want to say, a good two or three who were later stages in their career. Um, I want to say 15 years plus, but, you know, that's where they were at. And 
just the, my mentality. It doesn't matter if you have, if you're the same age as me, it doesn't matter, whatever. But if you have more experience doing anything than me, I'm going to listen to you because there's a reason for it. You know, you've obviously picked up some. Now, just because you've been on for a while doesn't mean you know how to do the job or you're doing the job right. That doesn't matter. But at least listen to it. And oh, there are still. I don't know how to do. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And God, there's things to this day. Well, maybe not so much or anymore, but when I was still working, there was stuff that I would come across daily and my mind would instantly go back to those field trainers I had. And I go, sometimes I even message them like, wow, you know, if you didn't tell me this when I was three months on the job, who knows where I'd be, you know? And it was even stuff that saved, that would have saved my life. Like one thing, uh, I stopped a car when I was in field training and it was a two, a two lane, well, four lane road. We had two on our side, no shoulder. And I just stopped and I didn't, I, you know, I, I angled my car, but I didn't really do it very well. And this is when I learned the passenger side approach because otherwise my back was to traffic and my field trainer was like, no, go here where it's safe. And next time take the whole damn lane, that lane, George, you know, just, just, flanking the whole lane. I did that later in my career and the amount of safety that I felt from that, you know, small thing, you know, just a little teachable moment. He probably, you know, he may have said some, said it in a snide way or whatever, but it sunk in, you know, it was a teachable moment. And I feel like it's just these, the new, the new rookies aren't so um, receptive to that teaching that style of teaching you know even the the age-old thing like hey i'm shot where are we and if you don't know you have to run to the closest street sign a lot of places don't allow that anymore they consider it hazing i'm like no that was one of the best lessons i ever learned especially and and you can relate being in the bayou uh in the in the hot humid summers when you're running to that street sign you don't forget that you don't make that mistake again yeah you always watch them where you at and stuff like that it's just i don't think it's just I just think it's the generation. Yeah. Because the other day I, I, I come across that uh, a lady with a flat tire stopped to help her while her uh, son pulled up right as I did. He was getting stuff out, which is fine with me. If son, son can do it, I don't have to get dirty at this point. <laughs> right, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> this was like, I don't know, 7 o'clock in the morning. So if I get dirty, I'm going to be dirty all day. Well, I'm watching this. this he probably was 18 or 19 years old. Well, I watched him and put the jack under there, and he was fighting with it and fighting with it, and I was looking at it. I just said, uh, he had the jack in the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. It was just a scissor jack, and, you know, it's got the little groove. You got to stick it in the frame part right there. He had it, like, underneath on the axle. I'm like, it's not going to work. I like, I just, I didn't say that. I just looked at him and said, I said, no, you got the jack in the wrong spot. It's not going to go up like that. The kid, this kid turned around and snapped. He's like, I know how to change a tire. I said, I looked at him. I looked at his mom. I said, you're right. I've never changed a tire. ever." <laughs> I said, you enjoy doing that. Y'all have a nice day. I, got my, I was in my unit at the time because I had just finished the school zone. We do them in our units because the lights weren't too long. Got in my unit. I left and went and picked my motorcycle up. It's like, have a nice day. Uh huh. Yeah. Can't, you can't fix the unfixable. Like it, there's so many times. Yeah. 
I remember I was, you know, I've been, I've been out of the job for six months now, but I was doing a ride along with one of my new guys and he's got, I don't know. I think, I don't even know how much time on, but he has, he has some prior experience before working where I work now. And he did a traffic stop on my ride along with him. And I was like, all right, let me paint the picture. So we just, we're going down the street, uh, car blows a red light. And we're talking, it was probably like two o'clock in the morning. No reason to be driving so fast. And uh, he goes, he's like, oh, that's an easy traffic stop for us. He stops the car. Car pulls over to the medium, but he's still, or not medium, but the shoulder. Uh, He's not out, you know, he's not out of the roadway to the point where like a driver's side approach would even be comparable to me, Uh, even though I always did passenger. But so, and about, I don't know, 10 feet away from the passenger side of the car was a sidewalk. (laughs) Like, this guy goes to the driver's side of the car and I'm like, what, why, why would you even do that? You know? And, and he's standing in the roadway two o'clock in the morning. There's no traffic, but still, if this guy's flying down and running red lights, who's to say that someone else isn't going to do the exact same thing. And we all know that the red and blues attract people. Like people just seem to drive right towards them. Especially and, drunks. Yeah. Especially drunks. So I, I remember sitting in his unit, take my phone out and I just snap a picture of it. And I sent it to one of my buddies. I was like, and I made sure to capture the clear passenger side with the sidewalk right there. I'm like, I was like, you can't, how, 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 and this guy had experience. I, I just don't understand it. And it's simple things like that, that, you know, why, why do we do that? Why do we go to the driver's side? Why do we, you know, and it's, it's just, I don't know. It gets, it, it makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. It's like, and I, I was in no position to be like, hey, man, I would do it this way next time. Like, I'm not his field training officer. I'm not even a cop. Like, I'm not, you know, but it's just seeing things like that. And I'm sure you've seen plenty of things like that. Obviously, the, the story of the, the guy with the, the scissor jack, where it's like, come on, man, like, use your brain. Well, like I said, I've been doing this a long time, and I'm one of the people I, I know. Being, a, being in law enforcement is such a so many aspects of it. I'm not a dope guy, even though I've been doing this a long time. So if I have something involving drugs or something, I have no problems picking up the phone and calling the dope guy. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we got guys that are, are better at, I, I'll be honest with you, I hate working in DWI. Oh. I just, I hate it. A motor so, cop that doesn't like working DWIs? I like writing tickets and crashes. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, I like investigating crashes and doing tickets. I don't like DWI, but we, we have guys out that they, they love working DWIs. So guess what? Hey, I got, got one over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, you got your dope guys. You got, you know, you got detectives and you got, you have everybody in all of these different specialized divisions or you just got people that's just better at certain stuff than other people. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm not one of them old timers. that's like, Oh, I've been doing this forever. I know how to do it all. Nope. Trust me, I don't know how to do it all because the laws and everything's always changing and stuff like that. But, you know, the guys will call me. Some guys, if they have something, they got a question with a crash or some kind of, you know, traffic stuff like that. You know, I've had sergeant lieutenants call me up. Hey, hey, come come over here. I had this crash over the weekend. Why don't you come look at it and see if you think I'm doing it right? But to me, that's how everybody's working together as one mm-hmm. team. Sure. Yeah. I'm pulling, I pull knowledge from this person. They're pulling, you know. And everybody, you know, you got to work. And it seems like these kids now, I don't know what they're, it's like we're all one team. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. There was, um, so there was a point in my career when I left patrol, went to work dope. And, uh, when I came back, I was, I was there for about a year and a half. When I came back to patrol, uh, and I'm sure you're probably the same way. I didn't work a juvenile call in that entire year and a half. So you probably didn't work juvenile for a long time. And when I got a juvenile arrest, I was like, shit, what do we do now? Like, do we, sh-? and I start, and it felt, I felt like a dinosaur really. Cause I, I went and I started doing things that I knew how to do. I was like, all right, yeah, we're going to do this to process. And one of the new guys was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm, I'm processing the juvenile. No, no, no. We do this now. And I'm like, I wasn't even gone for that long. Like I, I was off the road for a year and a half. And, so many things have changed, you know? Um, and yeah, when you're talking about the, the guys that like the DUIs or DWIs, whatever it is, um, we had a guy who retired when I was still there, but 30 years on actually probably more than that. Cause he had two agencies and, uh, he was trying to get a thousand career DUIs. So everyone would call him up like, Hey, you want mine? Like he didn't get it. He was a little shy of it, but he was the guy, you know, and I became, like the second guy, like he was the primary, but I wouldn't mind taking them either just because, and I didn't even like them all that much, but I got good at them. You know, I, I had a few trial preps and it, it, I got good at it. So I was like, yeah, I'll take it. No problem. And that's a good way for people to get into that niche. You know, if you, if you find something, just do more of it. Um, like I, I like the idea of arresting, <clears throat> excuse me, arresting for dope, but I don't like doing all the work for it because I think it's a lot of work for little reward. Like, you know, you got to package it all and weigh it all and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then learning what, you know, the different statutes are for everything. It was very tedious. I like the investigation part of it. That's why I went into it. But, uh, but it's also good to be well-rounded, you know, having, knowing a little bit of everything. And that's what I really tried to do is just know a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and then rely on the people who are like the subject matter experts for more specific stuff. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I got put in the courthouse for a while as a punishment bailiffing. But I look at people, I'm like, look, y'all need to put that in the FTO program. Y'all need to go make these new rookies go bailiff for a couple, more, more, probably a month if you ask me. And I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah. I said, sitting in that courtroom day after day, every day, with all those criminal trials and everything I sat through it really helped me with my report writing mm-hmm. a whole lot oh, because I'm sitting, sure. I'm sitting there listening to the prosecutors and the defense. And it's like, yeah, make sure I don't ever accidentally put that in a report or something like that. Oh, yeah. it, it's showing you what they kind of need and what you don't need stuff like that. It, it really helped with report writing. Oh, for sure. It helped with silver, civil matters also when just watching it. Cause you know, civil matters are, you know, I don't know any cop that likes a civil matter. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So yeah, a civil matter typically for most, most cops is just a punt. Like, Oh, it's civil. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it helped out a whole, I mean, it really sitting in that courtroom like that really helped out. A lot. I know it's not the most exciting job, but it, it was a good training tool. Sure. And the way I always feel about things like that, is when you're a cop and you show up on scene, there's nothing to me cringier than a cop going, I don't know, not my, like you're there. They called you. You're there. You should have some idea, even like a working knowledge. You don't have to be a master of it. Just a working knowledge of like, like for me, um, landlord tenant issues or evictions, you know, those were big deals. I got a lot of calls for that. And as a city cop, you don't deal with evictions, not in Florida, at least that's a deputy's job, but we still had to get called out there to either, 
inform people of that or, you know, maybe have to serve things that the deputies were off or something. Well, it comes in handy if you know what the hell you're talking about instead of just like showing up and be like, oh, I don't know. That's not my, that's not my thing. Have some idea. That was always how I dealt, how I felt about it. That's one good thing about uniform guys. They're pretty much well-rounded and they're not a specialized division. So to me, uniform guys are just like well-rounded because they're dealing with everything. Right. So they, they might not be an expert on all of it or, or you know, but they're proficient in all of it. So. Yeah. So I, I can't say nothing. There's a shout out to patrol guys coming from a old dinosaur motor guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm sure, you know, if, if you get, I don't know, I'm trying to think, I was, I was thinking, I was just about to compare you to a trooper and I know that wasn't accurate, uh, but I was thinking, no, no, no. I like you right now. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I still like you right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, no, I was thinking like, I'm trying to think of like, if you were to stumble upon, while working a crash or whatever, stumble upon dope or a domestic or something like that. You know, you might need one of those patrol guys to show up and be like, you know, when's the last time you worked a domestic? It was probably not if you did do it recently, but well, because you did the FTO thing, but it's probably been fewer far between. And it, it, it comes in handy having, having the, uh, the patrol guys around for that, for sure. Oh yeah. Well, especially like, uh, I found out when I went back in patrol, but with the domestic stuff, I don't know how y'all everywhere else is. But once we deal with domestic, we got there's other paperwork we have mm-hmm. to give the victims now to fill out and all. And I was working, and then uh, the guy's like, "Well, did you give them some kind? Of, I forget what I forget what the hell the name form is. It's been so long ago." He said, did "You give them this form." And I'm like, "What, what form?" <laughs> This one, like, no, they got to fill us out. And I'm like, "What the hell are you talking about?" I said, "Well, we just arrested the dude. I mean, he's going." <laughs> They're like, no, you got to do that's like, okay. Yeah. Everything, everything's always changing. I mean, when I first started in this career, I don't know how y'all's crash reports are. When I first started a, a crash, a two car crash report used to be one piece of paper front and back. Mm-hmm. That was narrative, uh, drawing all what one piece of paper front and back. I mean, a, a standard one now is like just for a two car crash, I think it's like six pages long. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, just stuff. And I heard uh, another motor guy at a funeral day asked me if I'd uh, used the new crash form that the states put out. And I was like, no. And he told me, and he's like, well, he was kind of explaining. So now, because my class is next week, I'm going to a new class on the new crash, and we're going to a new program. So, he said it's longer, but it's easier. So I'm will. Want to see how that works out? Uh-huh. I remember um, when when I left patrol, they switched to a new uh, program, and I was really good at the old program, especially for like writing tickets. It was just pop up, like I could bust out five tickets before, like you know, my coffee was done, and uh, they switched to a new one, and. I figured through working the dope how to write tickets efficiently, but it was also our, our crash program also. And when I went back to patrol and I started working crashes, I was like, what, what am I doing? Like it was so, it was so backwards to me um, that I had again, new guys come up and be like, no, this is how it works or whatever. And I was like, where the hell is this button? And like, they don't make that button anymore. Like it's not there. And it, you know, it's, it's crazy how quickly this this career and everything just kind of evolves. You know, it's it's one of those things if you blink you miss it. Oh, it's steadily evolving. 
from like I said, when I first started well, to now. Yeah. What would you well, say is probably the biggest change from rookie you to now, as far as the the what is involved, you know, what the job involves? Job wise, uh, I think it's more paperwork. More paperwork now. Yes, uh, way more paperwork now, and uh, I don't know the the whole just scheme of everything. I mean, when camera phones came along, that changed the entire structure of everything. Sure. Uh, I mean, when I first started, we didn't even have portables in the department I worked at. So, yeah, it's just I think it's that paper. To me, paperwork's just got way more involved in it. You know, Mm -hmm. when. uh, yeah, when you uh when you start you say you didn't have portables, how would you how would you radio in or how would they call you or we had a mobile unit in the car. Mm, okay. A low band radio. A low band. And uh like with the big whip antenna. Mm-hmm. And there were some places, you know, you had to like you wouldn't get reception. So when we got out on calls back then, we had them all rotating. I just don't if you know what I'm talking about, the old rotating bar lights. Mm-hmm. Wasn't strobes. It actually had like a light bulb in it that rotated around with a little reflective thing. We had those, <laughs> and we had a, we actually mounted a mic clip on the outside of our uh, bar light. So when we got out of the unit, we'd have the window roll down. We clip our mic on the outside of the unit. So if shit went bad and you were able to get back to your unit, that was the only radio you had because a lot of times you got out and shit got bad. You just had to handle it because. Mm-hmm. You didn't call. You couldn't call for backup. Sure, sure. So, so you were, you were extremely on your own and had to handle your shit. Oh yeah, there was like, I think five of us working on. Well, y'all have counties, but we have parishes in Louisiana. Probably about a six, seven hundred square mile parish, and there was like be four or five of us working the entire <laughs> parish. That, that's insane. So even and and that was that was on patrol. Oh yeah, that was uniform. Wow! So I mean, we were making big bucks back then. Started out uh, making yeah. eight hundred and ninety-five dollars a month before taxes. Look at that that's that's <laughs> see and see and everyone is is bitching about how much they get paid now. Yeah, I mean, no, clue. no, no, and, and they're talking about you know they're worried about uh, low staffing and things like that and officer safety issues. No, that's that. I mean, you're pretty much you. You're describing everything that they're, they should really be concerned about, you know, from back in the day. So there was no, you know, oh, that's a two car response or anything. You do two car response. That's the half of the damn county or a pair. Two cars. Yeah, back then, no, there was no two car response. Of course, you know, I mean, it's funny. Uh, you know, we had like, I found this guy died not too long ago. Unfortunately, old age, of course, he had been retired. But uh, this dispatcher, man, he'd get so mad. And uh, he'd been around forever. He he was a patrolman at one point, and then he was in dispatch. And he would dispatch it. I'm not joking. This is not a joke. It's completely serious. He would dispatch, like, yeah, I need you to go on. You got to take a right by that tree that was struck by lightning in 1976. <laughs> and you're going to have a dead stump on your left. And you're like, what? The hell you didn't hit you know, next to the old lawnmower shop that was like it don't even exist no more. But that's how he would dispatch you because we didn't have GPS mm-hmm. and we had map books that were someone had drove around and hand drew these map books and made <laughs> photocopies of them. Okay, wow, that's what we had. So they wasn't quite accurate. 
<laughs> Sometimes it was hard finding stuff. Sounds like that guy needed to make the map book. He'd be like, all right, here's the here's the lit, uh, lightning, lightning bolt tree. There's the dead stump. You got the gas station. Uh, yeah, right like, you know, turn left by that raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you know it was there? <laughs> that's, that's Jimmy over there. Just just go yeah. by him. He's always there. Oh, yeah, that's how it was back then. Yeah. It's, you know, my dad was a cop from, he retired in 95 and he had 26 years on. So I, you know, do some math. It's impossible for me to even fathom doing the job back then. Like that's just because we're so fortunate now with the technology and everything. Like every cop that's come up in the last, let's say 20 years, uh, just in that time, just in that 20 years, the technology has, has advanced so much. So you go back 40 years or 50 years, like, it, you know, it, to me, and, and, and this is kind of a crass joke, but what are they doing? Writing reports with like, you know, a, was that a chisel and hammer? Like, yeah, like I don't like, it, it's just, it's mind blowing to me. It's just, and we, we, we used to handwrite all our reports. Uh, like I said, I, I remember, like I said, we didn't have portals and stuff. So we, so we got out to eat at McDonald's or something, you know, we just tell them on the radio, Hey, we're going to be out at, you know, McDonald's. We only had one in the, the whole parish at the time. It was very uh, rural. We said, we're going to be out at McDonald's for, you know, signal one or whatever. And they were like 10, four and there'd be nothing. It wouldn't be, you'd be sitting in McDonald's. We didn't have cell phones either. They they had right. cell phones. Nobody could afford them because it cost like a fortune to talk on. So, but I mean, nothing. You'd be sitting there, you know, eating your French fries and Big Mac, or whatever. And here come the little McDonald's girl and say, "Excuse me, sir, uh, your dispatch is on the phone." Just <laughs> want <laughs> you call McDonald's and say, "Hey, y'all got to call. Y'all got to go." Wow. That's so, I mean. We used to carry, we, we, you always went to work with uh, change in your pocket because if you did need to call in, you had to use a payphone. That's something. I mean, I, you know, I remember hearing, you know, like old, 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 like the, the police call boxes, you know, where they would go in and, and call that way. But <laughs> we used to use payphones. And like I said, there wasn't a, one of the things I do remember way back in the day is every time if you passed another unit, uh, you click your mic twice, let you know they saw each other, or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, I mean, everything's you know high band and everything, but after you click your mic, yeah, stuff. It's just it's a lot of stuff that didn't change. Yeah, for sure. What would you say to like a rookie right now? You know, like maybe getting out of the academy, starting a few months on. What would you say to them to? Yeah, you, you've obviously had a long career. You've had a successful career. What would you say to them to get to that point? Listen to listen. You don't have to listen to every little thing the older guys tell you, but your FTOs and stuff like that. Uh, take a little piece of each one of them and make it your own. You're gonna be your own cop. Uh, you can take some knowledge from this one, knowledge for that one. You kind of blend it together. The main thing is don't ever lie. Mm-hmm. I said this on a. My podcast, everything else. Don't lie. Don't care if you're gonna get suspended, you're gonna get wrote up, whatever you do. You get called in about something. Don't lie about it. Because most of the time, the, the admins aren't like your parents. Most, most, not all the time, but most of the times they call you and ask you about something. They already know. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's see what you're going to say. Because once you lose your word, you're done. Sure. How you, how are you going to be the police if, you, if you're going to lie? I'm actually been thinking about doing a, because you know my podcast, I'm more just joking around and talking about the stupid stories and stuff. Funny, I, But I've actually been thinking about doing a episode on uh, being put on the Brady list. Well, I, I wasn't put on the Brady list. But mm-hmm. if if a, once you're law enforcement, you're caught on the Brady list, you're done. Mm-hmm. You're done. Yeah. Yep. Anybody don't know what that is? That's if uh, you're in law enforcement and you've been found to be untruthful, you have lied on stuff like that. They put you on this Brady list with DA, which they let all the other attorneys do. So you can't testify. Your testimony's crap from now on. So right. you can't. Yeah. There's, there's no, the, no even point. Even to yeah. the point, like, I want to say in in my area, you know, if you're if you're found untruthful, they just can you. They're just. I mean, I mean, tell the truth. Like I said, I've been suspended. I got suspended twice in one month. One time, <laughs> I got suspended for one day, and I came back the next day, and I forget. My mouth has gotten me in a lot of trouble, and I, I got two more days <laughs> right after that for saying something else to somebody. So, I mean, but. All the people I've ever worked with, they can say, "Hey, did you say that?" Some, yeah, I said it. You know, that that was actually a quote, but, <laughs> but I mean, they know one thing. If they ever came and asked me, I was like, "Yeah, I." But now, don't accuse me of doing something I didn't do because I'll fight you till the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but just always but, tell the truth, right? And I was going to say at that point, if you're if you are saying, "Yes, I did this. Yes, I did this," you know, you're owning your your mistakes or whatever. Then someone hits you with something that they're fabricating and you say, no, I didn't do that. I think that gives you even more credibility. Like, hey, I'll land on the sword when I fuck up. Yeah. That's totally fine. But I'm going to tell you straight up when it, I didn't do it. No, yeah, it's like even people I work for now, uh, the sheriff I used to work for told me, it's like, no, I've never lied. You know, if, I, if I do, if I if I mess up, I'll tell you. And you ask me about it, I'm going to tell you yeah, I messed up. But when I say I didn't do it, that's because I didn't do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I got called in and said, "Tell that person you know they were you fuck off. They were stupid." Yeah, I did. They got on my nerves. You know, <laughs> right? Be like, I actually, just... actually, no, Sarge. I said, "Are you stupid? Go for yeah. it." <laughs> <laughs> and your mama's ugly too. I mean, yeah. I mean, just yeah. I said it. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't I mean, don't I'm offer any not... free information. Yeah, I got. Uh, I didn't get called in. This was probably about a year ago. Uh, close to it, I got you know. I was happy to be uh, the major saw me. He looked at me, he's like, Oh, hey, and I'm like, Yeah, he's like, Uh, this guy called in and complained on you. I said, Uh, was it that DOT, DOTD guy? He's like, Uh, no, I was like, Oh, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so now he looked at me, he's like, well, What happened with that? I said, Oh, I said, Uh, we, we had a major flooding incident, and uh. I was on my feet for like 12 hours directing traffic nonstop and people were uh, not listening. If you direct the traffic, you'll know. And uh, sometimes I got pissed off and the DOT guy come flying around all my traffic, fucked it up and stuff like that. And I hollered at him, told him to get over there and he looked out the window and, and popped off and I said, oh buddy, not today. And he went and parked and he come by and he looked at me. I said, I said, the best thing you could do is walk over there with your other little friends and hold that fucking shovel before I beat you to death with it. So, <laughs> so the major kind of looked at me and said, well, I said, was it him? He's like, I don't know. I said, was it the guy I put in the parking lot over there and punished him and told him he couldn't leave until I told him he was allowed to? 
He's like, yeah, that would be him. I was like, yeah. I said, well, he drove around all the traffic and caused a ginormous traffic jam because I couldn't put nobody's in the words. I had nowhere to go because he wanted to bring somebody a candy bar. So, yeah, I punished him. I looked at the major. I said, is that it? He's like, that's it. Just wanted to let you know. I know you're having a bad day. I said, all right, boss. See you later. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. But that's that's well, the that's the that's well what you get for being an older guy. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. A brand new rookie couldn't get away with the exact same. No, I, thing. I, I, I think the new rookie probably got in trouble. Yeah, but, yeah. but I didn't lie about it. Hell, I told him myself on one of them. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I got in trouble once. Um, silly stuff. We were doing a well-being check or attempt to contact or attempt to locate or something, and it was late at night, probably like three o'clock in the morning. And knocked on the door of an apartment. No one answered. Knocked on the door. No one answered. So, okay. They're not home. The next day, uh, I get called in the sergeant's office. And they said, hey, were you knocking on this door at 3 a.m.? I was like, yeah. I was looking for the owner of this boat that I got dispatched to. And no answer. And it's like, well, they called and complained because you were knocking on their door at 3 a.m. And you didn't announce yourself. I was like, well, there's no reason for me to scream police. If I'm knocking, like if I'm like lurking around, whatever, you know, and I was yeah. like, I was like, it, you know, it'd be, there's no reason at 3am to, for a small apartment complex, me to say, police open up. Like, why, why am I going to bring that extra attention? I was knocking and they were like, oh, well you scared them. And, uh, they didn't want you to do that. I was like, whatever. It's not like they answered the door. You know what I mean? I was like, okay. I, what, what are you Scared them. I was. I'm not knocking politely enough. Right, right, exactly. Or yeah. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't bring my polite knock with me. <laughs> you know, you got that cop knock, and then you got your oh, neighborly. Yeah. Oh man, I've gotten I've gotten in trouble from friends because I I knock like a cop, and and it's it's funny because I don't even like pound on doors. I just I'll literally two fingers just go, and they're like, "Why are you knocking like the police?" I'm like, "That's two fingers on your door." Like, come on, man. <laughs> And even my dog just perked his head up like, what's going on? <laughs> it's, um, I even got, I got a call once we were doing something else, another like attempt to contact late, late in the, the night. And someone called to make sure that we were the real police. I was like, really? <laughs> Cause I learned from the last time. So I knocked at the police department and they called our dispatch and go, Hey, is there a police officer at my door? Or are they trying to rob me? And they're like, no, that's a real police officer. You should probably open the door. <laughs> I was like, what, did the gun badge and like patches on my arm not, not look real enough? I should have uh, been like, UPS. Yeah. I actually got a deaf guy to answer the door when I was knocking on <laughs> He was on a, mobile, on a mobile home, a trailer. Yeah. The, if you knock on a mobile home, an older one, hard enough, and they have stuff hanging close to the door and you knock it off the wall, <laughs> the deaf guy will notice stuff falling off the wall and come. See. <laughs> that's smart. On. That's smart. I had uh, I had a lady in a mobile home. She uh she was crazy, and um she thought I can't remember. She thought she was getting broken into while she was in her house, and so when we go in, she had all these little booby traps set up for like if the door opened, then the the pots and pans would fall and everything. It was pretty good engineering. I'm not gonna lie, and. Uh, I was, and she had this this toy gun, but it looked pretty real. Um, but we're we're not, we didn't discover that yet. We're talking to, to her, and I look, and there's just this. It looks like a like a short barrel shotgun just sitting on her kitchen table. I'm like, 
I'm like, Evelyn, I don't mean to interrupt you, but what's up with this gun? <laughs> I was like, I don't care about your crazy cats right now. What's up with this gun? She goes, oh, no, no, that's my grandson's. I was like, okay. And I, I looked at it. It was, but it, it looks so real. And I'm like, Evelyn, you may not, you may want to tuck that away into your, uh, under your bed or something. Cause that's going to get you shot. She went to the door with that little, uh, short barrel. Right there. Those crazy people in their booby traps. Uh-huh. There was one. Go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just thinking, uh, it wasn't really a booby trap, but I, I was my first, I ever had a ride along in my car and he wanted, um, where was it? She wanted to see crazy people. She was a psych, uh, psych major and she had to do a ride along with law enforcement and, uh, and she wanted to see crazy people. So we had one, we made a, co- a couple contacts with some crazy people, but this one, uh, crazy lady thought she was being broken into. She was going to, she had her gun out. She had a pistol and, uh, we're, we're approaching the house and I tell the, tell the ride along. I was like, listen, I know you want to see crazy people, uh, wait in the car. <laughs> I was like, cause in the event she sees two men approaching her door and she's got a gun and she doesn't believe we're the police. We're going to, it's going to be, it's going to get hairy really quick. So we get there and, and it was fine, but it was just crazy people. Uh, we had this one lady, <laughs> she lived in a trailer. I call it a trailer hood because it was wasn't a park. It was a trailer <laughs> hood. No, park. A trailer park is actually nice. This was the trailer hood, but she was crazy, and uh, she killed every tree in her yard, not on purpose. <laughs> but if you take Crisco grease, the old white lard in a can, and rub it on all your trees as high as you can reach up to, because you think people are trying to they're climbing the trees so they can peek in your window and look at you and your daughter. At night, and then she had a fake grave in her yard with these tennis shoes sticking out of them. We're like, "What the fuck is that?" She's like, "I have to let people know I'm not playing around. I think I killed somebody." (laughs) Okay, and then don't walk in her yard because we found out if she had like fishing line just stretched all over her yard, you would bust your ass if you walked across her yard. (laughs) Oh man! Oh yeah, and trust me. If you've seen her and her daughter, there was nobody wanting to peek in the window. <laughs> right, uh, right. Looking like looking uh, like Mama June or something. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, but she, we had a crazy woman that, uh, she, this one actually called and complained on me. So I went over there one time. She, she, she thought she worked for the CIA at one point in her life. Mm-hmm. But I got called over there one time because she uh, said that somebody had broke into her house and switched out all of her light bulbs from round light bulbs to square light bulbs oh, okay and, well they must have switched them before i got there because they wasn't square <laughs> uh, another time <laughs> got called over because she said uh the cia or fbi had put uh, roofing tacks in her driveway you know did she call and complain on me because i she wanted me to pick up all the roofing tacks in her driveway and handed me a bucket and I handed her the bucket back and told her she could pick up her own damn roofing nails. I'm not picking them up. She called and complained on me because I wouldn't pick up the roofing nails. And, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. It was it, she was completely. It, it was it was one of them that called at least once a week. Mm-hmm. You're going it. It's oh, like yeah. the frequent. I don't know whatever happened to that woman. I guess I don't know the aliens. Probably probably picked her back up. Yeah, <laughs> we had one. Um, it I can't remember. She said she was saying that someone was shooting chemicals into her driveway or something. So we go there and we're looking at her 
surveillance camera that she had over her front door. And you ever look at surveillance like like the not the best quality and whenever there's like fog or something in there it just looks like little particles that's what it was that and like little gnats flying around her her front porch light and uh, she's like look 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 yeah it's, oh that's that's all the that's all the the chemicals you need to go do something about it i was like all right dolores we'll go do something about it we go outside and we just drove off <laughs> we'll, we'll take care of it. and she called and complained too she's like they said they were gonna do something they didn't do it the, they're still spraying chemicals in my front yard I, I think it, I think it was on your was it on your show where I was talking about the uh, the lady who thought she was Janis Joplin. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Had a had a lady. Everyone go listen to to my episode on his podcast. But I had a lady who thought she was Janis Joplin. That was the only crazy person that I couldn't even humor. I just busted out laughing. I was like, "This is it was too." If my buddy Roger, if he's listening, he was there, and I just turned and I just start laughing. He's like, "Just go, just walk away. It's fine." Yeah, uh... <laughs> I try to humor them. I do. Well, I had a crazy one one time. But she was another frequent flyer. This woman hated my guts after so after so many years. And uh she when she did call and complain every week she called about something, she would specifically tell them, Do not send me. <laughs> She'd call me by name and say, Look, you sent him do not send him. It was my zone, so they sent me. Sent you every time, yep. Oh yeah. And I would walk up and uh she would just start hollering and cussing. They they claimed I saved her life one time though. We went over there and uh got called over there. Me and my zone partner, we both showed up, and uh, Acadian was there. Uh, an ambulance service, they were <laughs> they were about to like defibber and stuff like that. And I walked in, I looked, I said, Oh, god, I said, She's probably faking it. And uh, all of a sudden, they they had her on the monitor and everything, and all of a sudden, her heartbeat, like I said, started right back up. She sat up and told me to get the fuck out of her house. The ambulance, the EMT, started and looked. They're like, "Dude, she was dead." I said, <laughs> "The hatred, the pure hatred she had in her heart for me would not, not allow her to go towards the light." <laughs> she came back and kicked me out of her house. Of course, this was the same lady. She wanted. She got mad because I wouldn't arrest her husband one time. Mm-hmm. She called me up for there and wanted me to arrest her husband because she says all he did was sit in the damn chair in the living room and fart and watch TV all day. Well, her husband had had both his legs amputated in a railroad <laughs> accident, and he wasn't Lieutenant Dan. He didn't have magic legs. I looked at him and said, what the hell you want him to do, push motor grass? I said, no, no legs. Which one? He don't even have fake legs. What? What you want him? To, oh yeah, she got so mad. I was like, "You want me? What you want me to do? The man don't have no legs. He's gonna be like flopping around like a little fish if I put him on." <laughs> yeah, she wanted me to. She, he don't need nothing. Sit in that damn chair, watch TV, and fart all day. That's because he can't walk. <laughs> That's like a gold medal activity for him, man. <laughs> I mean, what's he gonna do? I mean, he could—I don't know. I guess he could be a stunt guy on Jerry Springer or something. Hell, <laughs> now that I've made the transition to dispatch, you know, we get all the we get all the crazy calls. And uh, where I work, if it comes in, you have to put a—you have to put at least a screen up, and the, the sergeant can cancel it. And um, we have this one lady; she is just off her rocker. She um, First time I ever got a call from her, I was brand new in training. First time I ever got a call from her. And I, I was 100% believing that this woman was getting beaten to death by her husband. So I'm like, we need to get this woman help now. Like, what are we waiting for? Well, they go out there and she was not being attacked at all by her husband. She's just out of her freaking mind. 
So now she calls about once a week, unless she is um, hospitalized, uh, which happens quite frequently. But she will call from the hospital. Now, the hospital is about three counties away, but she still calls our police department <laughs> to tell us, oh, my husband is threatening the nursing staff to, to give me medicine I don't need. And I'm like, I'm like, ma'am, take your medicine. It's okay. It, it will, you know, call, call the the police agency in that area and they will help you out. But I guarantee you he's not. Um, and she's like in her seventies and he's about in his nineties. So he's not doing really anything. There's that. She showed up at our police department one day, her husband called and said she was missing. She shows about the police department and to complain about her husband. Well, we bring her back home and whatever. He calls us about an hour later, says she's beating him up or something. So, you know, she ended up getting uh, hospitalized for that, for, you know, mental care evaluation or whatever. Um, she called one day. We were busy as all get out. And, like, you know, the phone's ringing off the hook. Dispatcher's sending out calls left and right. We have no units to send anything. And she calls in the middle of this Harry Carry going, just want everyone to know I'm home from the hospital. I had ranch with dinner. And I'm going to bed. I was <laughs> like, if you don't get off my phone right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was so frustrated with this lady. A different lady called the other day. She was kind of like you had did not want our police department to respond at all to whatever she was dealing with. She said, Nope, I want this county's deputies. I said, ma'am, that, that's not even our county. I was like, first off, the deputies don't respond to our jurisdiction. But secondly, that's not even our county. That's the next county over. They're not going to show. She goes, I don't care. I called them. I said, I'm going to request you guys specifically. But they said I had to call you guys first. And I said, you can call us. That's perfectly fine. But we're sending a cop out, not a deputy. She goes, I don't... send a deputy. I was like, okay, no problem. I got tired of arguing with her. And we sent an officer. <laughs> and, uh, and that was. Oh, crazy people. We got, since I've gotten older, I mean, I don't know where I transitioned from maybe so many classes and just talking with them. Like, uh, they got this, where I work at now, there's this lady. She's. She's in and out of mental hospitals. She's probably in her 60s. And she dislikes the sheriff, the major, and, you know, most of the administration. I mean, she will straight up tell you why she, she don't like them. And, uh, but for some reason, she likes me. Mm-hmm. And I met her because she got in a little parking lot crash. And I just treated her like I treated everybody else. But now you say, she was over at the courthouse last time. I happened to go turn some uh, paperwork in, and she was on. Uh, I ended up getting her to walk outside and go into her car and I come back in. They said, "How'd you do that?" I said, "I have no idea." I said, "She <laughs> loves." You know, I said, "She just loves me for some reason." Because when I walked in, she's like, "Oh, that's my favorite deputy." And comes hugging on me and stuff like that. And next thing, but they were like, well, "I'm just glad you got her out of here." But uh-huh. we got another guy just. The day before yesterday, I was at the gas station, sitting on my motorcycle, filling it up. I seen him in the parking lot at the local stop and I'm like, fuck. Because if he sees you, he's going to come talk to you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The problem is, is I can't understand one single word coming out <laughs> of his mouth. Uh-huh. He's, he's speaking English. It's supposed to be anyway. We Actually, my, my sergeant, he loves it. They have some kind of special relationship. I said, I don't know if y'all are related or something, but and he can actually have, like understand what he's saying. But it's like he come up to me and he was like, he's like, how do how did you do that? And I'm like, I'm just looking at him like, what the fuck did you just say? 
I'm like, like, I'm fucking Well, he's like, her, her, her. Dang old life from ancient antiquities, persuading to the public domain, Title Nine, Seventy Third State Resource Code. But I got over there. I got, I, I picked that up. And like, her, her. We're there, and I'm like, Ugh. I'm I'm on my phone the whole time. I'm texting the sergeant. I'm like, your best friend is over here, and I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm like, I'm like, I saw somebody at the other pump, and I was like, oh, excuse me, that person needs to talk to me, even though, and I went over there and talked to him, even though they did not. Know. <laughs> I'm like, how you? And I turned around, and he was finally gone. But he was like, yeah, I, the whole he probably talked to me for five minutes, and all I got understood was over there. Uh huh. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like it's like a what's that? What's on that cartoon? Quagmire. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, he makes Quagmire sound like an English professor. <laughs> That's how we, bad this guy. Is. There, there was a guy that we had. Um, he was so my my old city was broken down into two districts, and he was a he was a West Side guy, West District guy, and uh, that was that was the more rougher part of town, more violent and everything. And he was he was a rough guy. He would show up. And if you arrested him for trespassing, it was going to be a fight. Like even the most benign stuff, he was going to fight you um, to the point where my one, my one buddy, he was a rookie. He was a rookie under me when I started um, or when he started, but he's like six, five, two fifty. Like he's a big guy. Don't mess with this guy. And uh, he got, he, this, this dude was going to get arrested for trespassing threw his crack pipe at him. And then my buddy just went to town on him. Like, you ain't going to do that. No, it's so, serious when a crack pipe's flying. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> so uh, he went away for a while. And then I, I transitioned to the East District, which is a lot calmer. Um, not calmer, but different different, uh, different method of business. He shows up about two years, me working on there. And he he runs from us, but he doesn't fight anymore. He just, you know, you show up and be like, hey, man, what's going on? Gone. Okay. That's a lot better than fighting. I'll deal with that. Um, but he did so many drugs when, you know, in between first contact to most recent contact that he doesn't even talk sentences anymore. He would walk up and down the street and he would just be talking to the invisible ninjas in his head and and just like do like we would get calls all the time. Like, hey, there's a man doing karate by the stop sign. Can you check on him? And like, oh, no, that's Damien. He's fine. Like. Yeah, that's what he does. It's fine. As long as he's not punching you, we're good. And that would just be... Yeah. <laughs> not quite close though. Um <laughs> he uh and the thing was he's about my age and he was a good looking dude. Like he wasn't he didn't look homeless, he didn't look crazy, and like especially if he just came out of jail, he was pretty cleaned up. And he would go down to the bar district and he would just stand there and girls would start talking to him. I'm like, oh my god, they do not know what they're about to do. And I said to my buddies, I was like, could you imagine one of these out of towners, so hopped up from the bar, pick up this dude, take him to the hotel room? They wake up in the middle of the night after hooking up with this dude, and he's like doing karate on the balcony, talking to nobody that's there. I was like, could you imagine that? And she'll be like, what the hell just happened? Oh, and he just shit on the couch. Like there's just. <laughs> It's like I I slept with Adrian and woke up to Daniel Sodman. <laughs> it's like he walks off. No, no, you know shit on the bed. <laughs> he pulled a full Amber Heard. He just yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, crazy people. Yeah. I don't know how we got on crazy subject, but I don't know. It's, it's good though. The last when I was on your show, we were talking about everybody that was naked. Now we're talking about everybody yeah. that's crazy. 
Well, there's no shortage of, na- I mean, naked people. There's no shortage of crazy people. Either. I think they go <laughs> hand in hand. Most of the time, if you're naked in public, you're probably a little bit crazy. Most or of really time. high. <laughs> yeah. 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 We had the woman, uh, she tried to give me a moon rock. Mm. Uh, yeah. We had was a. It, was it really a moon it rock? A, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it was a. Uh, a very early episode on mine is a Cookie Monster episode. I, one of my guys, I have to go reason I bring it up is he I went to his house. One time I looked at him, I was like, we was living I kept looking at like, I said, why the fuck you got a, a rock sitting in this little red velvet thing on your coffee table? He's like, huh? I said, that rock? You got a fucking rock on your coffee? I'm like, oh, man. He said, I'm like, I'm like, I know he didn't. I was like, he's like, oh, I went on this call, and I said the woman's name. He's like, yeah, how'd you know? He's like, he's like she told me that. It's a moon rock she got. I was like, you're really, I said, you're a stupid motherfucker. I said, <laughs> that's a hunk of limestone. She's got a whole truck. She had a whole dump truck loaded that shit in her backyard. He's like, you serious? I'm like, man, that bitch is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he had it like all displayed and shit. He had fucking a driveway. <laughs> like, look at my moon rock. I said, you think some crazy old lady living in a fucking single wide trailer has got precious moon rocks just laying around? It just happened to be there. She's going to give it to you, too. Yeah, yeah. I saved that dude many times. <laughs> We went on a call, you know, he comes back to the car and he's like, he's all proud of himself and stuff like that. And I looked at him. He's like, hey, that girl over there. I said, mm-hmm. She gave me her phone number. I said, yeah, she gave her some crack too. I said, she's a fiend. She's <laughs> raging crack. Yeah. He's like, you serious? I'm like, yeah, I'm serious, dude. <laughs> you know, I said, dude, you want to do, but she, you know, if you, you're probably going to catch something and you'll wake up and everything in your house will be gone. <laughs> you know, it, he threw it out, you know, so I saved him there. You know? it's, like, it's like with the moon rock. I was like, yeah, you, you got, if you just seen it, he had it all displayed with some like red velvety cloth around. <laughs> right. Like right. He made a nice little uh, showcase for it. Yeah. yeah for his moon rock. That reminds me, it wasn't moon rock. We were, we were doing a narcotic search warrant on a house and, uh, we were coming up empty. We had absolutely nothing on this house and we opened, well, there's, there's two different stories I could tell about this one. I'll, I'll tell my story first. So, um, we're coming up empty on this house that we knew the guy was good. We knew he was going to be a good target and, uh, we had nothing. So we find a glass jar inside this one guy's uh bedside table and it's got a bag like a ziploc baggie filled with a granule granule like off-white powder they're like this is it this is the mother load we found it guys we're so we're set so we bring it out to the evidence table we open it up and we get a test kit we drop it in we crack it open we shake it no reaction like man that's weird maybe i didn't get enough on that one so we get another one dab, dab it in boom I was like, all right, so maybe it's not wherever it was. Maybe it's not heroin. Maybe it's maybe it's coke. So we go do coke. I'm like, fuck, man, why are we not getting a reaction? Like, this is it. The guy who owned it could see what we were doing. He goes, what are you doing in my grandfather's ashes? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> not to find that man's grandpa. 
would have been funny if he would have come back positive. <laughs> Grandpa's eyes fuck with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I I was like, oh shit! Like I I, I back. I oh man, I I never lived that one down. <laughs> Thank God it wasn't like they do on TV, like the old Miami Vice shows days. Oh, and, stuff. and they like I sniff it or taste it. The narcotics, like yeah, some good shit. <laughs> it's like it's like you just snorted, Grandpa. <laughs> Why you got your my grandpa on your nose? <laughs> Yeah, I've never, I've never defiled uh, someone's dead loved one. <laughs> yeah, nothing. I'm like desecrating somebody's ashes. That's that's a war story right there. <laughs> we had this guy. I'll tell his story because he'll never be a guest. But uh, I don't even know if he's in law enforcement anymore. But he got uh he got dispatched to a welfare check. You know, gets there and they're like, people were from out of town or whatever and when you know he gets there it's like yeah and they're like well just you got permission just they said just break a window out and go in and check you know they got the back door with little panes you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. does he break that window out no no he walks up to the big giant picture window mm-hmm. like in the breakfast nook <laughs> And he breaks that out. Well, this window is so big where he just, after he breaks one out, you can just step into the house. Uh-huh. You don't even have to duck, okay? That's how big <laughs> so then he goes in. Of course, you know, the, the person is deceased. He calls out, you know, 10-7, blah, 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 blah. And uh, next thing we know, about three or four minutes later, he's calling for an ambulance. All right. Like, what the hell is he calling an ambulance for? Is there, are they not dead? <laughs> right. This one, he called the ambulance for himself because he got so sick from the smell. Oh. <laughs> it's like, dude, you cannot. What the fuck? You just an ambulance for yourself. It's like, and you broke the biggest fucking window out now. <laughs> right. Seven foot tall window. You could what was the little pain? My <laughs> <laughs> God! And you had to call an ambulance for yourself. We had we had one where the guy, uh, the rookie. Well, I, I wasn't on this one, but third hand information was that it was a pretty gruesome murder scene. A uh, guy was like uh, disarmed and and his he was, he was <clears throat> cut up all crazy, and he um, the smell I guess was so bad that the rookie on scene was like. Well, I need to I need to ventilate this place because it just smells so bad. So he took his baton and broke all the windows in the house to get air in. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" And then, of course, all the flies and everything went out too. Why well, just open them? <laughs> I don't know. So, like, oh man, it's it's a little rough in here. Let me let me break every single window in this house. Oh, them them. Well, I just we just come them dead body flies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, or yeah. Well, I had one one time with welfare check. Of course, this poor lady uh, had died in a mobile home in his trailer park. In, a, in the middle of it, it was like June or July. And you're in Florida. You ought to know Louisiana, mm-hmm. South Louisiana. It gets extremely hot down here. Mm-hmm. And our humidity is just like yours, like 100%. Mm-hmm. 
She died in this mobile home in like June or July with no air conditioning on in a bed with a box fan blowing on her. She had been there for about a week and a half. Well, when I popped that front door, that mobile home opened. And, you know, I could smell it beforehand. When I popped that front door open, it was uh, about 10 minutes later when it started ventilating. It cleared out 50% of that trailer park. <laughs> <laughs> that smell started coming uh, because it was so bad. She had actually, uh, if anybody's listening, has got a weak stomach, you might want to mute it. She had uh, decomposed and rotted completely. She was oozing through the other side of the mattress uh, where, like, ooh, yeah. like, ooze was coming across the floor and stuff like that because that hot air with that fan blowing on it just made decomposition so much better. Oh, yeah, it was it was horrendous. Uh, mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, but that, that trailer park cleared out. Like, Oh, and, yeah. So, suddenly like, everyone had to go and uh, and go get their groceries. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been. I mean, if, if one of them that, you know, bad enough, but, you know, you I'm going to have to burn his uniform because I'm uh, never going to get this dead body smell out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I had, um, I, so like I said earlier, I was on the crime scene unit. So I, I went to a bunch of real stinkers. Luckily though, um, they gave me a decomposition mask, which I still have somewhere in my stuff. Um, so whenever they said, Hey, it's, it's kind of a rough one. I could deal with smell. Okay. But I still wasn't, you know, fond of it so any chance i could i popped the mask on and i could do my work without needing to take a break um i went to one where they said it was really bad and actually was not bad at all um then i went to one that was really bad um just the way you described it it wasn't a mobile home but it was like a um like a garage apartment like it was kind of like off the garage really like a single room apartment uh studio i guess you could say but that kind of makes it sound a whole lot nicer than it was. And a guy had OD'd and he just was rotting. And there was one swinging light bulb in the entire place. That was it. That was the only light we had. And he did have some kind of fan somewhere. It wasn't a box, but it was like, I think it was even like, you know, like truckers, they have the ones that they plug into their console. I think that little fan was the only thing he had. So super hot Florida summer. And I, I put my mask on, so I didn't smell anything, but I got every single fly in the face. Like they just, you know, they fly like crazy, literally to the point where like, after I took my photos, collected the evidence I needed, waiting for the coroner to come pick them up. I was like, you guys brought a body bag. You're going to need like a shop vac. Like that's the only way we're going to get this guy up. It was bad. But because I had the mask on, I didn't realize how bad the stench got on my uniform until I went home. And or I'm driving home and I'm like, oh, my God, I, I can smell the guy on my clothes. And it was one of the well, I lived in an apartment, so it wasn't like I could just like change in the garage and like throw it in or whatever. So I was like, what do I do with these clothes? Like, I'm not going to. So I, I basically had to do a single load of laundry with just that uniform I was wearing. And, and it you can't ever really get that stench out. Like, it's still always just a little bit there. But uh, that was that was a time that was, that was a rough point. That was like, right. I'll say that was about a year ago. Actually. Now that I think about it, it was, it was, he was right. He was right. Well, I went to college to be a, a mortician. Mm-hmm. I didn't finish, but I was working in a funeral home. So I dealt with a lot of it. And this was in the new Orleans area. So you can imagine I got called one time to, uh, we had this guy that had been missing for about a week or so. 
missing person, everything. We had a road crew, uh, DOTD road crew was out putting new signs up because the sign had been broken. Well, we found out why, because the only, the guy, I'm pretty sure he had heart attack, drove off the road, crashed. He was probably dead before he drove off the road, but it was the only way to see where his vehicle was. You actually had to physically be standing off of the shoulder of the road to see where it was at. Mm-hmm. This was, of course, in the middle of summertime and a poor coroner showed up by themselves and the truck was on its side and everything. So we, we got it lifted up and he had like, he was stuck to the dashboard and windshield oh. area. You uh, know, cause he was, you know, decomp. So I was helping. And, uh, when I reached up and was, grabbed him by the arm so we were trying to pull him out where he had uh, slip skin real bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anybody don't know what that is. That's when you're de- decomposing and your skin is sliding physically off of your body. When I grabbed it and tried to pull him, all the skin on his arm came off in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> the other cop that was there just, I think he ran off and puked or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, all this stuff. We didn't have no mask and stuff back then. You put a little Vicks vapor rub on the nose, kind of helps with the smell a little bit, but mm-hmm. you're gonna smell it for a few days afterwards too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, of the, some of the stuff you guys see and smell. Oh yeah, for sure. Yep, I definitely, I definitely smelt and saw, and you, know, you try not to step in the in the gooey stuff, but you yeah, always somehow don't. miss it. Yeah. So if anyone's gonna have dinner plans after this episode, I hope you guys enjoy <laughs> your dinner. Um, be a yeah. good lunchtime episode. Oh yeah, I had uh, we're, uh, we're gonna transition from the dead guy talk in just a second, but I took a, a couple death and injury conferences um during my time as crime scene, and uh, there was this one lady. She was a um forensics doctor. She might have been a coroner down in Miami, and little tiny sweet old uh, Asian lady. That's that's the best way I can describe her. She's tiny, quiet, soft-spoken Asian lady, and she would always talk about graphic sexual deaths. I don't know why you would not expect that that content would come out of this woman. That she looked like an um, Doctor Ruth. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And she said uh, she would show different things. And this one person um, was into autoerotic asphyxia. Uh, everyone go ahead, Google that. And, um, but he did it in a rubber suit, like one of those vacuum suits. Well, when he did this, he somehow died within the, oh, cause I think in those suits, there's like a, um, um, release valve. Yeah. Well, there's one of those, but there's also like a breathing tube. Well, somehow the breathing tube fell out somehow. And so he ended up suffocating in this. Think of like, think about like marinating a steak or not even marinating a steak. Think of like uh, preserving a steak. You know, you're going to vacuum seal it and suck all the air out of it. It's airtight. Think of that, but it's a human. And now he can't breathe. So, you know, typically when you're a human minus oxygen equal death. And so he did. And then they found him. But he's by himself when he did all this. So they found him weeks and weeks later. So now go back to that whole marinating steak thing. Remember, like you ever like cook something in a in a crock pot? I'm making this graphic on purpose. Uh, <laughs> you ever like make it in a crock pot, but you have one of those like crock pot wraps? You know, you put it down in the liner before you put it in the crock pot. Yeah. That's basically what he was. He was just human <laughs> soup in in already wrapped up. It was 
disgusting. And of course, we had to see the the pictures. It was just oh, you pick up. It's just like 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 yeah. Oh, not not good times. <laughs> we saw some. There was one. I'll probably edit this one out, but this guy was filming himself just like in the bathtub, naked, or he was standing in the bathtub, and he was like he was like jerking off and whatever, and then he just like shits in his hand and starts smearing it on his body, doing all this weird stuff, and then he like in the middle of all this while he's filming it, he just has a heart attack and dies. That was it. And then that was a real shit show. Yeah. <laughs> At the very end of it, this is the this is the this was the disturbing part. At the very end of it, his wife walks in and goes, "Oh my god!" Like she had no idea he was doing this weird shit, literally. And I was like, "What a way to first go, and then for your wife to find out like that's how you're gonna find out that he's into this stuff." I just thought he had really bad body odor. (laughs) (laughs) I realized he was just he was he was such a shitty husband. Oh, that's a shitty joke, man. That's shitty. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is. It's All right. So this is this has been great. I, I I had a lot of fun talking about crazy people and naked people and dead people. Um, let's go ahead and we're gonna wrap it up by playing some Signal Three. This is my my question and answer game where we just kind of talk, uh, get to know you questions, and then we're gonna sail off into the sunset. Uh, once again, this is this has been the Iceman from the Motor Cop Chronicles. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Um, and we'll get you to plug your show in just a minute. But let's go ahead and play some Signal 3. And we're going to start with, what is your dream vacation destination? Uh, I always wanted to go to Switzerland. Okay. I don't know why. Okay. It's just, ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to go to Switzerland. Nice. I'm scared. Just... Right. Is that is that where the Matterhorn is? Not sure. I know they got like mountains and yeah. I don't know. I know I saw I saw some video on Facebook and I was like, wow, that's, it was the Matterhorn. I was like, wow, that's amazing. I it's I think it might be the Swiss Alps. I'm not sure. Um, what is something that you love that everyone hates? <laughs> I'm a weird person. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, everybody says I have a weird sense of humor, uh, gore, nastiness. Everybody like see our previous conversation, sure. Yeah, I mean, just okay. Like um, peanut butter and cheese sandwiches. How about that? Peanut butter and cheese. Yeah, just regular. Okay. Old... <laughs> I've, I've eaten this since I was a little kid. Okay, like that, that's got to be a, a country bayou type thing. I don't, I don't know. know. You can try it; it's delicious. Just like American <laughs> cheese and on a peanut butter sandwich. Yeah, yeah, but it's not. I don't like crunchy peanut butter. It's got to be the cream. Got to be. Yeah, of course. Um, I had a guest on from the UK last year. He was, he's my nutritionist and he said his, uh, one of my questions that I don't really do anymore. I was like, if you could identify as a sandwich, I think it was, what would it be? And he said it was a cheese and pickle sandwich. I want to see, was that cheese and pickles? It was something that was some weird conversation. I was a combination. I was like, what do you, what? He's like, you got to try it. But it wasn't like he's taking a dill and slicing up. It was like basically like a relish. It was weird. Um, What's something that you hate that everyone loves? Pickles. Okay. No pickles I at despise, all. I just I despise pickles. I despise anything in vinegar. Really? Yeah. Well, you know what vinegar was used for a long time ago, right? No. A douche. Oh, yeah. Vinegar okay. Water. <laughs> yeah. I don't want I don't want douche food. I don't want my food soaking <laughs> in douche and vaginal cleaning material. I just don't I don't, I don't eat anything pickled. It's okay. Gross. <laughs> That's fair. Um, okay. What's your favorite donut flavor? 
I like uh, the Bavarian cream filled ones. Okay. Yep. Uh, if you were walking into the greatest moment of your life, going to give a big one, something or other, what would be your walk on song? Oh, hell. <laughs> <laughs> Thought about that one. Probably Highway to Hell or some shit like that. Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. I could see you. I could see you on your motorcycle ripping out to that. Um, <laughs> what's your go to day off drink? Uh, I'm on the uh, banana flavored whiskey right now. Okay. Okay. Yep. We talked about that on, on your, on your show. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite type of police car? Uh, I, I still like the crown Vic was the best police car ever made. Uh, my second what? would probably be a Dodge charger. Okay. What kind of bike do you drive? I have a Harley Davidson road King. Okay. Um, if you could, Tell one person something about law enforcement that they misunderstand or your career specifically, what would it be? Uh, it's not my fault you're getting a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a good one. Um, what's your proudest moment in law enforcement? I got a couple. Okay. Uh, just, I helped out, a, I've helped out a few kids through my career that, you know, I was glad I was there to do that. Different ways, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's the best piece of advice anyone's ever given you? Don't take things personally. It's a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that goes a long way. I think it's it, we we take some things way too seriously that probably shouldn't. There's only there's a very few select things I think in this job that should be taken uh, personally. Like if someone's shooting at you, that's pretty personal. But beyond that, I mean, that's that's a worst case scenario. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of lot of cops now. If somebody runs from you or, or does something like that or does something, just because they're don't get don't get it stuck in your head that oh no, well, he's going to pay for this because nobody runs from me or uh-huh. because he's you know disobeying your authority. It's not personal. He's a bad guy. He's a good guy. <laughs> right. A lot of times to, to the folks on the street, it's either a game or, you know, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it's not personal to them. Like you're not, you know, Joey, the, the douchebag. You're just the cop. Who's the douchebag? Yep. It's the, it's the uniform. All right. And the last question for you tonight, sir, if you could share a meal with one person dead or alive that you've never met, who would it be? And what would you order? I'd probably, uh, somebody I've never met. I'd like to probably sit down with uh, Ronald Reagan and have a mm-hmm. steak. Okay. What kind of steak would you do? Just, I like my steaks rare. Okay. On a porterhouse. And a big fat steak. Okay. All right. I like it. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Iceman from the Motor Cop Chronicles podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. This was awesome. I had a lot of fun. Well, I enjoyed it. Keep your memes up. Absolutely. If uh if everyone wanted to check out your podcast and check you out, where do they find you? Um, on basically all the podcast platforms, Apple, Google, iHeart, Spotify, all those. Uh we do do live shows every Wednesday night. I have some guys come on with me that are uh prior law enforcement guys and uh we just kinda talk about different crimes and cops in the news and stuff like that. We call it the midweek midweek news. We're on uh Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch right now under Motor Cop Chronicles podcast. Like every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central, we go live and uh, it's usually a pretty good time. 
we joke around, cut up, and make fun of. We're totally, if you totally like non-PC stuff, we are so not PC. And uh, don't watch in front of your children. And uh, we make fun of people we probably shouldn't make fun of and stuff like that. But it's fun. <laughs> I, we just, I just try to, my podcast, it's like, uh, I'm more, I try to stay more on the funny side and stuff like that. And because uh, there's a lot of seriousness already. And I just like the funny side of it. Absolutely. I and mean, I like I like how you do some of your serious stuff and uh some of the other ones I'm I try to stay funny. We all gotta have our little niche nick <laughs> niche yeah. in it, you know. Yeah, for sure. I, 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 I agree completely. Everyone go check it out. And also uh I've told you before, but I was on his show a few weeks back, so go check that out as well. Man, I really appreciate it and uh we'll we'll talk very soon. Anytime, buddy. Thank you. No problem. Everyone listen, stay tuned, I'll be right back. Once again, I want to thank the Iceman for hanging out with me for a little bit, talking about the job and telling some stories. And I, I mean, absolutely. I, I love hearing those those old war stories, especially, you know, talking about having to hang the, the microphone on the light bar. So if things got, you know, too bad, they could run or, or you know, uh, when they uh, went to McDonald's, they'd have to tell dispatch, hey, call the, the McDonald's if you need us to respond because we're not going to be in the car. I mean, that's just stuff that, now, you know, we are so reliant on technology, our cell phones, the radios, the computers. I can't even really fathom working a beat in a city, let alone a rural community. And, and you know, have, you know, living in that time and existing and working, it's, just, it's crazy. You know, you really had to be squared away. And that's why when you see these salt of the earth guys... Uh, you, you gotta pay it to him. You know, this is a young man's game and that's no discredit to any guy and any senior guy that's, you know, 
been through some stuff on this job. But listen, if you've got somebody that's been there 20 plus years and they're still kicking it, they're still pulling cars, you know, you could you could go ahead and say like, oh, it's time to retire, old man, whatever. First off, it is no longer his job to, you know, run and gun. He did it. You know, he wrote the book on it. Uh, but you need to take that wisdom that he has or she has or whoever has and figure out how did they last? I mean, we are seeing police officers burn out all the way out, myself included, five to ten years in. Whether it's admin problems, work stress, home stress, whatever, they hit the escape button early, you know? And, and we had uh, Erica Gaines on in the beginning of the year, and she said that, you know, maybe we need to do tours and things like that. Maybe, maybe the world is completely different from where it was in 1995. You know, that is, that is for damn sure. Right. But we should see what they've learned. You know, listen, my dad was a police officer from in the eighties and the nineties, retired in 1995. And he endured which means he would have endured the Rodney King riots. He uh, endured a bunch of other kind of race-baiting things. Not to say that they were the same as the George Floyd uh, situations and things that we've dealt with since, but similar. And, you know, I can look back even further into, like, the 1960s and things like that. So when when they say that, yes, things kind of come in waves and cycles and things like that, there is some truth in that. And while some things changed... Uh, a lot of it seems to be the same, you know? So I would implore everybody to talk to those senior guys. How did you survive? What? How did you make it this far? And, you know, take in a fun story or two and, you know, don't blow them off. And when you see the old guy, you know, that he retired from your PD about 15 years before you were even born, but he's still teaching at the academy, showing you how the... Uh, the wrist lock worked back then when he was breaking up spring breakers. Yes, that really happened to me. <laughs> Listen to those stories, man. First off, he's coming to terms with that job, right? And secondly, you could learn something. You really could. And sometimes it's just pure entertainment. Well, luckily for you guys, we are going to be doing uh, an episode centered around that. We're going to have Iceman back. We're going to have Dave from Hey My Man. He's the one that gave me the idea. And then we've got uh, one or two other players to be named later. And we are going to be having Surviving the Job. The elder statesmen of law enforcement are coming out, and they're going to tell you how to survive the job. 20-plus years on the job. What did they do? And uh, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good talk. Just like the leadership episodes, just like um, any of these other roundtable discussions, we're going to talk and kind of just go round and round and see what these guys think. And, and hopefully you guys can get away, uh, get something from it. That's going to be in a few weeks, so just go ahead and keep your eye out for that. Coming up next week, we have my buddy James Corbett. He is the uh, CEO of a company. And uh, he's doing big things for law enforcement, law enforcement professionals. And uh, it, it's an amazing story. I can't wait for you guys to check it out. And uh, we got some big announcements going along with that. Speaking of announcements, um, like I said in the beginning of the episode, we have an end cap on season two of the 10A podcast. It's going to be 45 episodes. That's going to put us uh, right at the second week of August for the last episode, which is going to be a, a special thing. 
uh, which I'm not going to announce yet, but just to kind of give you guys an idea of where we're going in the next uh, few months as we go into the summer and everything, as long as everything stays the way it is, which I don't foresee anything crazy happening, but you know, what my dad always said, what God, or what man proposes, God disposes. But the plan is we're going to have, um, coming up for the rest of this slate, we've got, like I said, James Corbett, we've got, uh, Adam from Police Post, we've got Chief, uh, Ed Gephardt from Indiana coming on. Then I've got a new mini series coming out, guys. So it's going to be two episodes for this season, and then we're going to do more uh, once season three rolls out. But it's called I Survived, and it's going to be cops who either lived, worked, or experienced uh, mass casualty events or life changing, uh, life or death scenarios. We've got that coming up. So the two that we're going to have this season, we've got someone who worked at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting. And then we've also got someone involved in the Sherman Oaks nightclub shooting in California. Those are going to be the two perspectives we're going to get. Again, the series is called I Survived. Music is going to be provided by Jeff Smith of Street Cop Training. He was in um, um, Street Survival. That was uh, earlier this season. So we've got that coming up. Uh, Like I said, we've got the uh, um, Surviving the Job. We've got uh, another roundtable discussion we're going to have to close out the season, uh, Black Cops, where we're going to talk for um, African-American police officers, how that affects their job, their personal life, things like that, what made them choose that route. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, I've got some some guests lined up for that. We've got uh, Poorly Made Police Memes is coming on. We're going to be doing a two-part episode. Part one is going to be on his show. Part two is going to be on my show. That's going to be episode 40. You're going to keep that one locked up. Um, we've got a couple. Uh, we've got one coming up about stoicism. We haven't talked about that since episode three. You know, I've touched on it here and there, but this is going to be a full-blown episode, a study in stoicism. Uh, we've got a few other things still coming down that I'm I'm fine-tuning and then we are going to be uh we're gonna be off we're gonna be off for a little while and then uh kicking back in first week of october for season three i've already got people hitting me up saying hey can i be on your show i want to talk about this i want to talk about that i love it um if you want to be on the show hit me up either on instagram at 108 underscore memes or email the 108 podcast at gmail.com either way would be great just put something in the uh subject header so i know it's not like spam or something like that i don't always dial in on that uh merch we're having some issues getting the goons merch reprinted uh going from one printing company to another and then some issues with the designs we're getting that all squared away that should be going out in the next week or so any other merch things we're gonna get out this weekend so if you want them hit me up or visit the merch store 10-8-memes.ecwid.com what else do we have going on i think that's it if you want to go check out the back to basics podcast with my buddy henry i don't know what we're doing with that (laughs) he came over this past week and we were going to record and we literally just sat on the couch and bullshit for a couple hours so we didn't record anything but either way if you want to check it out it got it's on anchor for us and it's also on anchor for um, the 10-8 podcast as well, so you can check that out also. I think that's it. Go check out the Motor Cop Chronicles podcast everywhere they stream. Yesterday, 
uh, Wednesday they had their live episode, so go check that out. Every Wednesday they do a live episode, and then they got their multiple episodes from there. Uh, let's see, my buddy BC Sanders has a new podcast out on the Failure to Stop channel if you want to go check that out. I think that's it for right now, guys. There's so much stuff. First off, much love to everybody that supported me. Uh, we're, we're rounding... We're rounding third, heading to home for season two of the 10-8 podcast and year three of the 10-8 memes brand. Absolutely amazing. Big news coming for the brand probably within the next few weeks. Can't wait to share that. Personal news, if you haven't seen on Instagram, back to school I go. You know, everything, and I'll touch on this later, but everything that's happened to me made me, you know, reassess some things. So I went back to school, or I'm going back to school in the fall for psychology so you guys will be kind of part of that as well because I just can't seem to stop telling you guys stuff about things. So all that said, guys, that concludes today's episode, episode 234. Hope you guys had a great time. I had a great time. Go check out the Iceman Motocop Chronicles. We will see you next week with James Corbett of Impact and Project Refit. Until next time, friends, take care of each other. Stay safe. 10-8, out. Shut it all down and throw